Olasu. So this morning we turn to Mahamudita, Great Empathetic Joy. And in this particular cycle that we're going through, I've associated the Mahakaruna, Great Compassion, with just having that respite from latent suffering that comes by achieving shamatha and resting in the substrate consciousness. But there simply is no pain, there's no suffering at all of body or mind. And then with great loving kindness, Mahamaitri associated that with realization of emptiness. And then as we turn to this aspiration of great mudita, empathetic joy, it is this aspiration, the resolve, may we never be parted from suffering, excuse me, Lip. May we never be parted from happiness devoid of suffering, free of suffering. And as you might guess, I will associate this with realization of rikpa, pristine awareness. And let's go back to my all-time uttermost favorite metaphor, and that is becoming lucid in a dream. And that is once you become lucid, then there is, by that very fact of becoming lucid, I can't say for every single lucid dream, but generally speaking, there is a euphoria, there's a a sense of well-being, there's a happiness, it can actually be a bliss. And it's not coming hedonically, it's not coming from some happy things that are occurring in the dream, it's coming from knowing the nature of the reality you're experiencing. So it's really a eudaimonic well-being, a little microcosm of actually being a Buddha, you know, a little facsimile. And so what is your task? What's your prime directive if you're really intent on practicing dream yoga and using this as a platform for moving along to full awakening? Uh, Your prime directive is now that you've gotten lucid, stay lucid. Don't lose that recognition. Don't lose that knowing. That's your prime directive. Stay there. Just sustain that. Sustain that flow of knowing the nature of reality you're experiencing at that time, namely, recognizing the dream as the dream. So in a similar fashion, in this, I'm really laying out now just the, fu- the fundamental structure of the utter essence of Dujum Lingba's path of Dzogchen, which is really representative of the, in- of the entire tradition. There's nothing iconoclastic uh, about his approach. That is, in terms of formal med- meditation, first of all, achieving shamatha, resting in the substrate consciousness, then realizing emptiness, and then thirdly, breaking through your conventional mind, breaking through the substrate consciousness, breaking through it, melting it, so to speak, shattering it, so to speak, and then breaking through to this dimension of, of awareness, of pristine awareness, primordial consciousness. And as soon as one has made that breakthrough, you're a bona fide Dzogchen practitioner, and you've you're actually ascertaining Rikpa, then you really have one prime directive. You become awake. You're viewing reality now from the perspective of Buddha mind. Right. Perspective of Rikpa. Don't lose it. That's it. You have, really, you don't have any other practice. Now just sustain that flow of knowing. Sustain the flow of viewing reality from Rikpa. Therefore, you have the Dzogchen view which is the view from the perspective of Rikpa, and Dzogchen meditation is nothing more or less than sustaining the view. Now that you've broken through to Rikpa, just don't lose it. Sustain that. Right? And then allow the whole path to rise up to meet you. Some people don't even practice 
Turtia, I mean the very ripe ones, they don't even need the, the, the direct crossing over of the Turtgel. They can simply break through, and that will take them all the way to per- perfect Buddhahood. It happens. You know. So there's your simple practice. And it's called Jadil, Jadil or Jame, and that is devoid of activity, inactive. And why is that? Because we see, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wonderful, wonderful, accomplished lamas like Jadil Rinpoche. His name is actually Jadil. The Rinpoche who's devoid of action. But no, he's not. He's got a, he has a wife. He has two, two daughters. He's very active teaching. He's lived a long life of teaching and so forth. Been, so maybe he's not really an authentic practitioner since he's been active. Well, that's about as likely as nothing. No. What does it mean, jadel? Jadel. It means you're not activating your conventional mind, your ordinary mind. You're not, you're not slipping back into non-lucidity and working within that manifold. So you're, leaving, you're deactivating your ordinary sense of I am, deactivating your ordinary mind. It's only just turning it off and just dwelling in rikpa. And then whatever activity flows from that, well, that's spontaneous. That's just flowing. Okay? And so we find great master Dingo, Dingo Kenzo Rinpoche, incredibly active with so many, many projects. And Tushik Rinpoche, Dujun Rinpoche, Orgyan Rinpoche, and so forth. Very active. Very active. But for those who are truly accomplished in Dzogchen, the activity is coming right out of Rikpa. So, there it is. One of you asked for some names of really still living and authentic Dzogchen masters. Yang Tan Rinpoche, still alive, still teaching. I heard just recently within the last maybe six months or so, he was teaching at Ledap Ling in the south of France. This is Sergei Rinpoche's major centers. Yang Tan Rinpoche. He's extraordinary. Realization. Shamata Vipassana Dzogchen. The real article. Genuine realization. Kembo Namdur. Very, 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 very knowledgeable lama. Authentic, absolutely straight, impeccable integrity. He's one of the co-abbots now of, of Namdur Ling which was Benarimich's monastery, the, the primary Nyingma monastery, I think probably in all of India. has something like, I think, 3,000 monks in it in the south of India. He is absolutely authentic. Kembo Namdur, Kenjian Namdur, Namdur Rinpoche. And then another one who is more recently come from Tibet is uh, Getse Rinpoche. Getse Rinpoche. Also absolutely, absolute integrity, straight, knowledgeable. So there's three. That's, of course, not an exhaustive list, but they're all on active duty, still serving, teaching, giving Dzogchen empowerments and so forth. There are others, of course, but those three, total confidence. So there's that. So, there can be our aspiration then. Why couldn't all sentient beings never be parted from happiness, devoid of suffering? When you're resting in Rikpa, you're now devoid of suffering. I mean, you're beyond suffering. You're you're resting in a state of awareness that's beyond time, beyond space. You are as free. I mean, and it's only a metaphor, of course. But imagine being really deeply lucid in a dream. What exactly, where does the suffering come from? Where does suffering come from if you're really deeply lucid, profoundly lucid in the dream? In that con- what, what's going to make you suffer? Alligators, cobras, bubonic plague, bad neighbors, mm, a cold? 
There's nothing there. You're just surrounded by a field of empty appearances. None of those can give you any harm at all. And your mind is dwelling in a state of being awake, which is just by nature blissful. So there's no in. There's no in for suffering. Not from outside and not from inside. You're free. Right. So once again, just to highlight, I know you've heard it before, but just to make this absolutely transparent. Some of you I know have had been in a non-lucid dream, and then something will happen. Tsongkhapa says the easiest way to slip into lucidity, to recognize the dream as a dream, is while you're just cruising along, fairly ordinary person, and then something really unpleasant happens. Nasty. A nightmare, a shock, something really terrifying or whatever, you, whatever and also bizarre. Really bizarre. And then you recognize, oh, wow, I must be dreaming. I am. I'm out of here. And so you have just a very sh- short... Or maybe you get excited. Wow, I'm dreaming. Oh, no, I'm not. Where did it go? Where did it go? So that's the most common way to have your first lucid dream, is they're really short. Right? And it's often, if it's a, a dild, what Stephen Leverge calls a dild, a dream-induced lucid dream, something happens in the dream that somehow kicks you into lucidity, and there you are in the dream, but knowing it's a dream, well, for most cases, it's very brief, because you just don't have the preparation of a number where you get really excited, your mind is scattered, it's not relaxed, it's not stable. And so you get that insight, and then it's gone, you know, a matter of seconds, and it's finished, right? And so you can see, first of all, how useful it would be for lucid dreaming and for gaining realization of rikpa, that you've got a vessel there that when that realization comes up, when you actually do break through, you can sustain it. And that's because your mind is stable. So shamatha. But then, of course, if all you have is shamatha, but you've not really challenged this incredibly deeply ingrained tendency of reifying everything, including yourself as you are now, ordinary person, ordinary environment, my mind, oh, poor my mind, my big yucky mind full of mental afflictions, I can't stand it, it bugs me so badly. You know, the, all of that, if you're reifying everything, the Midas touch, which means you turn everything to mud, you know, if you're not out of that rut, even if you temporarily break through, the old habits are just going to come in and freeze it over again and lock it right in. It's going to shut it down because you'll reify once again. So therefore, it's kind of common sense, isn't it? That if you would like to break through to Rikpa and then be able to actually follow the Dzogchen teachings, and that is now your only practice is to sustain the view, to dwell in non-meditation, because there's literally nothing for you to do with your conventional mind that you use to achieve shamatha, developing bodhicitta, the six perfections, practicing lojong, doing this, doing that, all those things. Now, don't do anything, because there's nothing to achieve. If you're viewing reality from the perspective of rikpa, there's nothing to achieve. Just be awake and let the fullness of that rise up and totally embrace you. So, shamatha, then break down all the barriers of reification through realization of emptiness and then go to Rikpa. And then you're a Dzogchen practitioner. You really are a Vidyadhara. You're holding Rikpa. Vidya means Rikpa in Sanskrit. You're holding Rikpa. You're holding your own ground in Rikpa. Not just your substrate consciousness, but you're holding your own ground, your deepest ground, your fundamental primordial ground, your home 
ultimately home. So don't go anywhere and let everything flow out of that. So there it is individually. And then this aspiration of great empathetic joy is, since this is the essential nature of every sentient being, why couldn't we never be parted from that happiness, which truly is utterly devoid of suffering? Might we be? Why not? It's not like we have to acquire something we don't have. It's what we already are. So there's no acquisition. Right? Why couldn't we be? I shall make it so. Of course, that means I have to practice myself. (laughs) All right. Whatever's needed. And then, okay, blessings, blessings. Let all the blessings flow. Knocking down all the obstacles. Good. Let's Letting your awareness descend from the head right down to the ground. This non-conceptual ground. Let your awareness permeate the empty space of your body. Not permeating flesh and bone, but permeating just the space. Settle your body in its natural state, relaxed, still, and vigilant. Settle your respiration in its natural rhythm. And releasing all thoughts pertaining to the future and the past. Non-conceptually let your awareness come to rest in the immediacy of the present moment without conceptual elaboration.
then in the space in front of you, visualize or bring to mind as clearly as you can the iconic personification of your own pristine awareness, Samantabhadra. Deep blue in color, holding a Vajran bell, seated in the full lotus. Blazing with such sapphire light. And as if looking into the mirror, and if you will, take refuge. Take refuge in this primordial Buddha. Dharma revealed by Samantabhadra. And all the great Vidyadharas of the past, present, and future as our guides, our companions, our spiritual friends along the path. You're never alone. From now until my own perfect awakening, I take refuge in the Guru, Samantabhadra, the Buddha, Samantabhadra, the Dharma of Samantabhadra. And all the Vidyadharas who have come to know who they truly are, Samantabhadra. in order to lead all sentient beings to, to liberation and awakening. May I myself ever so swiftly awaken to my own nature as Samantabhadra. Then invite Guru Samantabhadra to the crown of your head. And facing in the same direction as yourself, imagine this primordial Buddha dissolving into indigo light, 
flowing down your central channel. reappearing on the lotus, moon, and sun disk at your heart. Imagining your own body, speech, and mind indivisible from that of the guru, Samadabhadra. Let this light at your heart permeate the empty space of your empty body, the empty space of your empty mind. From this perspective, arouse the question, why couldn't all sentient beings never be parted from happiness, devoid of suffering? We all never be parted from such well-being.
for as long as space remains, for as long as sentient beings remain, I shall do whatever is needed to bring this about. And by the blessings of the Guru Samantabhadra and all the awakened ones, may I be enabled to carry through with that resolve. With each in-breath, imagine the light of all the Buddhas flowing in upon you from above and below and all the sides, utterly saturating your entire being. Purifying all obscurations, all illnesses, all afflictions, all that harm. With each outbreath, breathe out this light in all directions, dispelling all afflictions, all obscurations. And doing whatever is needed to bring each sentient being to such a lasting state of well-being, utterly free of suffering.
and release all activities of the mind. Release your mind. And rest in the natural luminosity and purity of your own awareness, empty and still. Enjoy your day.